You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center, this is Phoenix FM. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... Welcome to the Wrestling Rewind. The only wrestling podcast by fans who don't hate wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to Phoenix 92.5 FM. This is the Wrestling Rewind. My name is Daryl Connor. Welcome to the show. And with me as always is the one and only, the undefeated one and all, the real, real world champion, Mr. Martin Herty. How are you, Martin? Grandara. I'm sat here with a lovely big glass of uh, lemon and fizzy water because between my sister's wedding and then all in, and then all out, and then a string of different barbecues and parties along the way. I've been on the lash for about three weeks, and that's it. I'm going in in honour of, praise Jesus, what will be our final ever punk episode. I'm going straight edge. Really? Forever? Oh, God, no. Probably till uh, Wrestle Dream. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I did that for nearly 30 years. It's not fun. Just, you're better off just, you know... Oh like, God, no, no! I, I, I do it between. Uh, uh, being realistic, I'll say I'll do it between AEW pay per views. Okay, well that's fair. That's fair. Or until the next drink, and then you're like, oh, here we yeah. I'll have one, and then well, we'll I suppose I have my brother's stag and Halloween. So yeah, you will do your best. <laughs> You'll do your best. You'll give it a good college try for for tonight. I'm straight edge. That's fair. That's fair. Should, uh, should help you with the old editing process anyway. Well, there we go. But yeah, we do. Uh, speaking of which, we have an awful lot to get through uh, this week. We have two pay-per-views. We have CM Punk drama and we have a special guest. So it's uh, someone who I wanted on the show for a while. He plays in two bands, including my own. A very good friend of mine, Mr. Cormac Jordan. How are things, sir? Doing well. Uh, in honor of today's uh, episode about Punk, I have a nice alcoholic drink with Coke in it. So screw your Pepsi. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, you know, they actually changed Pepsi. I used to really prefer Pepsi, but then they, they, they changed the recipe and I can't drink it anymore, so. You're not accidentally drinking Pepsi Max? Yeah, it pretty much is Pepsi Max now, because they, they put, like, sugar and aspartame in it. So oh, it doesn't God. even taste like Pepsi now. It's it's weird. So I don't know why they yeah. did that, but uh, I if I had a Pepsi tattoo, I'd be just as upset as Punk, I'd imagine. Do, do you know what I was raging at? Never mind Pepsi and Coke. There's sure. a gorgeous uh, botanical cola called Fentiment and it mixes amazingly with their bourbon, like mixes perfectly with it and then they went and fiddled around with the recipe and yeah, it's rank as well now. I was in uh, I was in Coke World uh, in Orlando and it's like this, it's basically like this three-story shop 
where they have loads of Coke merchandise and then up on the top they have a Coke bar, right? Where you can just get like Coke, Diet Coke, Cherry Coke, whatever. But they have like a sampler, right? Where you can they give you two trays of like like a mouthful of each Coke product from around the world. It's and it's like what twenty six dollars. It's twenty four drinks. It's it's pretty cool, right? But some of them are disgusting. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm never drinking that again. But if you want an experience, guys, that you won't get anywhere else, I recommend that. So on I forgot rest- it when you said like you went to Coke World. My first thought was you went to Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Coke World, Coca Cola World. But uh, speaking, of, we are here obviously to talk about wrestling, guys. So let's start off with um, our favorite topic. So CJ, we have um, we have a segment on the show called Bull Punk, right? Where Martin will lay out the best scenario in the world. He will be like, you know, book it to a T and what they could do and what they couldn't do and what he's excited for. And then I'm, uh, then I merely say, but punk. And then reality hits and it's like, yeah. He, it'll it'll never work. It'll never happen. It'll, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. But last week uh, was, was one of those, one of those moments where we were kind of laying out what we thought would happen. You know, we don't really know. There's an investigation. Saturday comes around, right? And it's payback was on Saturday. News broke that CM Punk had been fired. There, Saturday night's all right for firing. It apparently so. Yeah, <laughs> it was very weird. Uh, collision was on, so it was like four hours before Collision in Chicago. Um, Tony got. I booed. stayed up just to watch Collision. Like I don't normally stay up late to watch the AEW shows, but it's just. I had to because I was half expecting the crowd to completely take over the show. Just be brutal on Tony and whatnot. Well, they were. But well, he he came out early. But they, they weren't it. that bad. Well, yeah, here's what they did. Tony had he really had cojones there. He just walked out in front of the crowd before the show. Just explained, yeah, there's a situation. He got fired. Think- he did. He got really violent. I feared for my life. Hard and panel said, no, we are liable to hell if we keep yeah. him. So he's gone. I think the I think he had to do that because the crowd would have hijacked the entire show. So it was smart. Yeah, exactly. If it was I, WWE, just, if it was Vince and WWE, they would have just piped in noise. Nah, yeah. Tony had the balls to do. Said, no, nah, I'm going And to be fair to the crowd, like so he got a he got a good bit of boo. Now he wasn't roundly booed by everyone the way some of the like media groups were traded, but the he did video, get a good the video that I the video that I saw was from a woman recording it on her phone and she gave him so much abuse. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he did get a good bit of boom. But then see whenever he was uh explaining what happened. Like yeah. whenever he wasn't doing the wrestling shtick, whenever he, he was like, look, we have like camera guys and boom mic operators and runners and they all deserve to be able to come to work, you know, in an environment that's, you know, safe and welcoming and where they don't need to feel like nervous or afraid and he, like they actually the crowd sort of stopped and listened like but, here's what was, but what's kind of silly about that is though it's like listen we've all seen punk fight it's embarrassing right <laughs> what was he like what would he do <laughs> was he was he flinging with a hockey stick was he with a baseball bat you know i mean come on like we've seen him fight he he's really bad so, he had a steel on a stick. There you go. I mean, I'm more afraid of it. Who also has been fired in, in like 
today. <laughs> he's the, gone too. The I mean, there was no chance of him staying. Development. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't know. So how could how could you keep? How is it mental the fact that he got brought back? Given okay, whatever happened with the first brawl out and you know, Punk apparently threw the first punch. Yeah. He still threw a chair and bit Kenny Omega. Allegedly. Uh, uh, for legal reasons, allegedly. <laughs> I just I just wish they hadn't signed that NDA because I know the first thing they would have done, a BTE skit where the full <laughs> moon comes out and Kenny slowly morphs into a steel. Well, that would uh, have been brilliant. The thing about it is, it's like, um, yeah, I, I do expect like a shoot interview to come out from A Steel because he sacked down, probably wasn't on Punk Bunny, and you know, th- I'd say the only reason it took them a week to fire him is they fired Punk like, yeah, pretty much a week ago tomorrow, yeah, uh, because A Steel wasn't allowed to come to the buildings and he was like working from home in inverted commas, working like, from home, I'd say he was just like on the payroll but like it was just money to keep punk happy um yeah i'd say they just i'd say they just clean forgot about him i'd say tony was running down through you know the the thing for collision and and he he saw you know steel's name on the employee list and he's like oh my god we still we still employ that guy <laughs> all you know so okay rewind also, a so bit. the funniest thing with like with a steel just before we go is that his real name is Chris Guy. That is <laughs> that the most default name ever. And imagine, like, just that trying should to have remember been him. I'm just going, I remember, like, you know, that guy. No, yeah, Chris Chris Guy. Chris, yeah, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, that, that guy, that guy. That was Steel. No, that guy. <laughs> so, rewinding a little bit, so, you know, if, if you guys haven't heard, because there is, like, you know, there, there was some setup to this. So, obviously, uh, uh, just before All In, CM Punk had a fight backstage with Jungle Boy, and uh, you, this is the result of it. Now, look, I don't. Last week I mentioned something that upset you a little bit, uh, Martin. I'm going to say something. Yeah, I'm going to say something again that's going to upset you a little bit. Oh, God. So recently I discovered the Jim Cornette podcast, right? <laughs> oh, and, God, no. Uh, no, hold on, hold on. CJ, don't you too, right? <laughs> Listen. I I didn't really know what this podcast was beforehand, but I listened to it and I was like, "Oh, you sweet sorry child, you could have kept it that way." I dis I agree with a lot of what you said about this, and he said that you know at sometimes the bad guys win, and I that's what I see here. I mean, look, the punk go about this the wrong way. Yes, did punk could things have been a little bit different? Yes, was firing punk the good idea? No. Uh, I, I I don't think it was the best thing to do because the problems are still there. Now, Cornette goes off a little bit. <laughs> I think he just really doesn't like AEW, which, I mean... He, he, there was obviously something in the past where he wanted to work for them or he was supposed to work for them. Yeah, yeah he nearly did. Yeah, he nearly yeah, yeah, he did. He had like a... a uh, before AEW was fully set up, I think around 2018, he was brought in by Tony Khan and said... I'm setting up a wrestling company. I need some expert advice on this. And the first thing he said to Tony Khan was he saw they're hiring the elite. And he said, do not hire the elite. They're yeah. shit. Essentially. Sorry. And <laughs> I'll do that one again. <laughs> he said, and he said, don't hire the elite. They're terrible. They're not good wrestlers. Meanwhile, Tony could see the value in them. Yeah. And 
he recognized, listen, I'm not going to be able to hire Jim Cornette full time yeah. if he hates my biggest stars. Yeah. And he's constantly getting in trouble for saying really stupid things and like issuing death threats to people. <laughs> so Jim Cornette knows, yeah, he, like, he got turned out for the job because he just kept putting his foot in his mouth. And now he keeps playing a character on his podcast that is really angry. So I doubt what he says on his podcast are that. Uh, they're probably close to what he really thinks but I reckon he does put it on a bit of course yeah I mean like that that is very much what I kind of got from it too but the take was then mirrored by Vince Russo which is even more surprising expert wrestling opinion hold on let me finish what I'm saying (laughs) the point is and then Eric Bischoff again it's like you know a bloke a, a broken clock is right twice a day and I think in this case they are onto something. And look, yes, did he have to fire him from this thing? Fair enough. And the reason why is because there are still issues here with AEW. And I want to make this whole show about it because uh, all, all Out was quite good. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're able to like limp along and, and kind of get to where they need to be um, without punk and all that kind of stuff. But there's still issues here. And what I'm, what I'm kind of want to get your well, thoughts I mean, on this, oh, Martin. I'm going to literally go to you in a second. Just one. <laughs> the, what I wanted to get your thoughts on was with Punk being gone and with this, the half the issue still finished. And someone else made a go. I think Mark Henry said it. He says, "Oh, you know, jokingly, going all the drama's gone. Everything will be perfect now." Because obviously, it's not going to be because there's still a massive issue. Like Jungle Boy should be fired, right? He he caused this, right? He should be gone, right? But the elite also shouldn't be the MVP or the EVP, sorry, of this company. They're way too immature, you know, and I don't think they handled it well. The wrestlers, in my opinion, based on everything that we've seen in WCW, everything we've seen in TNA, should not hold positions of power as an active roster. Martin, what do you think about that? Am I off base completely or can you see where the point of view is coming from? I would, I would, so... There's some I would disagree with, and then some I would say that I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. So in regards to Jungle Boy, like the fact that they had the investigation, that uh, you know was this whole independent thing, that's whatever. What what really gets me on the issue between Jungle Boy and Punk and the fight mm. is that Tony Khan fired Punk. Tony Khan for two years has been in love with punk he has he bent over backwards to get him on the show he gave him this enormous contract he hired his lunatic friend <laughs> after after he had like a pew after he publicly disparaged the company and his top stars and his own management and all that in, in front, front of, of him <laughs> and then had a fight he still brought him back and yeah. gave him his own show and gave him control of that show and rehired his lunatic friend so, like, I don't think, like, I wasn't there, wasn't at the fight, I don't know what happened, but the one thing that would push me to believe the narrative that Tony Khan's putting out there is that Tony Khan would do anything for Punk, and it must have been completely, un- for Tony Khan to fire Punk, it must have been just totally unavoidable. He must have had zero choice in the situation because I cannot see him uh, him firing Punk at all so if there, there was so, so any there, other way around it. There is an update on this 
and it's literally just breaking before we record. So we record on a Friday oh, wow. night, as you guys know. Yeah, literally. So it looks like the Elite, ha- or at least the books, had a, a, a six-month no punk drama in their contract. As in? As in, oh, if, yeah, if, if yeah, the yeah. punk causes stuff, they'll walk or he walks. And that oh, probably right, look, right. that looks No, like... that's not what they will say. I think what they're saying is we'll have a sit-down talk with punk to talk and try and resolve these issues between us personally and look into doing a feud on TV if Punk stays out of drama for six months. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, honestly, I think with the with the young book, I think the kind of narrative going is that Kenny was willing to work with Punk. Uh, they, the Any feud with FTR was sorted. The problem was just the young bucks didn't want to work with Punk. And everyone's freaking out. I was like, oh, well, you need to sort it out. Yeah, you're unprofessional if you don't. I'm sorry, but the Young Bucks, they nearly had their careers destroyed by Punk. Uh, the reports are is that for Brawl Out, they went into his room with the head of legal and head of talent relations, go into their top star's room say, hey, why are you disparaging the company? Top mm. star throws the first punch. And I don't think any count recount disputes that. Yeah. And they, they basically point out, listen, we went in to try and talk this out like EVPs. You punched us and nearly cost our career. Excuse us if we don't want to work with you straight away. We want to yeah. see proof that you're not going to destroy the company. And like, listen, you don't head in to start a fight with a lad if you're when you're bringing in your head legal counsel and head of talent relations. Yeah. So the fact that uh, they were with them kind of suggests they were willing to go in more professionally. And also, Punk invited him, said, if you have a problem with me, come and see me. Okay, so the head EVPs of the company come and see their biggest star who's just been disparaging them around the whole world. Obviously, you're going to go in and try and talk it out with them. Well, what I'm saying is I think that what you just said and what what you laid out there was probably a bigger factor as well. Where it's like, look, this is going to keep happening. Martin, we joked on the show last week that this is going to happen again. And I probably would have. It probably would have been a consistent thing. Yeah, Punk has made it an embarrassment to be an AEW fan for like the last year, and particularly the last few weeks. It's just like every few weeks is, oh God, what the hell is Punk done now? Can I just say, selfishly, I think it's the best thing ever. Um, but it, it it's a sickness, I think, because it's so TNA ish that it just, you know, Martin knows this. Well, well, look, I, I, I I've I, grown, I, I've grown to enjoy the backstage drama, even though it's like proper. I mean, we're all go- we're all gossip junkies. We all love a little bit of gossip. Of you course. know, it's just, it's, it's just it's, like a little, it's, it's, it's a little fun to get that bill behind the scenes look but the fact that you know just what he was doing was just oh for god's sake you're just gonna make it worse yeah like the fact that he just couldn't get over hangman yeah or white move all hangman is saying nothing exactly exactly but here's here's what it is for me um i love pints right pints right. are great and like i said at the start of the show i spent the last three goddamn weeks in the pints and now i'm sick of them and just like that, uh, I, I use the same as yourselves. Love the like the sort of backstage locker room politics, the rumblings, the the stories from the dirt sheets. Love all that. And then Punk came in, and then we got to gorge on that stuff for two solid years. Like for two years, that overtook any of the actual wrestling, any of the actual shows, any of that. And see with Punk out of the way, like I didn't want to see him go. I'm mm. a huge CM Punk fan. I thought his promos were great, his storylines, his matches, he could still go. 
like my ideal scenario would have been the bloody sit down and sort it out. But with him gone, it does feel like um like we've gorged on this backstage drama and all that for for long enough now and now we can stop for a while and now we can concentrate on the shows and now we can concentrate on the wrestling and for me all out was the perfect embodiment of that all out felt yeah. like it, like i know we're not going to do it yet but overall for me all out felt like 2019 2020 AEW. it felt like really a return to the to the company's roots yeah, and I think a lot exactly. of a, a lot of what the, what has happened this week with the 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 brand split pretty much being done away with, um, with with the elite showing up on collision, which was very weird, um, you know these kind of things, and then the firings. It, it seems like they're going for you know as you said a return back to two thousand nineteen. Um, yeah, and I hope I hope collision doesn't lose its like unique identity. Like, I like collision. Still... I like collision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like, like the different feel. It I, still I, I, needs to feel different from Dynamite, like, but yeah, I'm I'm glad to see the end of the roster split. It feels more like a a classic. I know I don't mean this in a in a disparaging way. It feels like a classic WCW show. Oh that, yeah, that's what Collision feels like. Dynamite feels like an indie well, show that has money. Um, well, well that's not bad either. I've that's heard. not a, that's it's, not a, that's not a dig either. That's just that's what it feels like. <laughs> you know, here's what I've heard about so many times about Collision is that. It's AEW, but for the people who don't like AEW, which is why I like it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's just that, <laughs> it's you know, it has like that it. slightly different feel to yeah. it. That you know, listen, Dynamite. I love how you know, it, it was a very experimental sort of wrestling show compared to WWE, and that's why I love it so much. Yeah, but like you can see the more kind of classic old school flavor in Collision. Yeah, and I actually it, do it, like that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's. It's re- It's like the closest thing you can have to like peak nitro, and it's like this is actually really cool. So uh, I hope that doesn't go away. And I think having Daniel Bryan there, um, would be like super. What's his name? The, the American you by, Brian. You Brian call, you, you call him by his real name. You ball. I'm not gonna say the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So having him there, kind of taking over the CM Punk role, is quite good. But listen, I have I've a comment and I have a question before we move on from this because we are going to move on in the interest of time. So the comment I have is when when I, when I got back from well, after all of our journeys back from all in oh. because Marin <laughs> got stuck in England for like three uh, yeah. days. <laughs> me and CJ ended up on the same flight back on the same day after me getting like a rail ticket and be like, I'm gonna sail home. Uh, so we all got back and as, the minute I got home, I was like, right, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna order a CM Punk action figure from Amazon. Right. So between me ordering it on the Monday and it arriving, Punk had been fired. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, you can't make it up. It arrived on the Saturday and he was fired like two hours later. It was hilarious. But that's actually kind of perfect. So you've got that and you were at Punk's possibly last ever match live. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a highly likelihood that's probably going to be him with wrestling. Like so, okay, WWE, so, I doubt it. Okay, so don't jump ahead. My my question, remember, don't don't jump ahead. <laughs> so the next question is coming up, right? So CJ, because you kind of, I'm going to go to you first. So listen, right? He's done with AEW, right? That, that's it. The door is finished. WWE Survivor Series is in Chicago. The Raw Rumble is in Chicago. It's it's a big possibility, right? I know they want them back, but he has a lot a lot of bridges to mend. There is a third option, 
right? And I think it's a very, very real option if he wants to. Now, they normally can't afford him, but they might do it. And apparently some talent are excited. What's the possibility? And again, CJ, I'm going to go to you first. Of CM Punk showing up at Impact. I really doubt it. It's not, I don't think it's a money issue so much. I reckon if it became a money issue, if Punk really wanted to do Impact, they they could sort something out. They could get a loan. He could take a cut, whatever. I think it's an ego thing because he's not going to want to show up to basically a tiny arenas and i don't know if him just by himself could push them from like small venues taped in the same venue over and over again to suddenly a huge touring entity well no i mean i don't think that's what he'd want either i think it's more a case of that level of control because it looks like the contract the punk had it there wasn't just one it wasn't just one contract it was like two or three because yeah. he had a performance one and he basically was an evp as well or similar to it um you know by the wording again we don't know that yet, but it looks like that was the case. I'd imagine Impact would probably give him something similar, like complete creative control or something like that. And, you know, that's what would it's, probably bring him back. Do you not think that would do it, no? I don't think it's a, a, a creative thing so much. I think he knows his value in that he is the one who brings in, you know, pushes a company from like 3000 a night to 10000 a night mm. when he gets a chance. I don't think he's willing to go to Impact because they're such a small company and even with him, he wouldn't push up the numbers damage. I don't think it's he knows it's not good for his image if he's going from the star of the second biggest promotion, the first serious competition of WWE to Impact, which is basically a glorified indie. What about WWE? A couple hundred. I would really doubt it, but I, I, you never say never in wrestling. Okay. But it's right. like it's just like you know the obviously there's reports that him and H don't get along, but then again, he showed up to WWE like a few months ago just yes. to try and mend some bridges. So who knows? But I just it doesn't it, it would if he did, it wouldn't be for money. He seems money wise he's fine. It would be out of complete spite. Martin, what about you? Um so impact just not a chance. Um, like I just don't see that happening at all. He his last match was in front of the biggest wrestling crowd in history, and then his next one, you know, isn't going to be in, you know, Reading Town Hall or whatever. Like, uh... hold on, this this impact disparaging <laughs> is not cool. It's a great show. It's, it's, no, are it's they a, not no, doing do, a, they... an English tour? One of the shows is in yeah, Reading. Are, yeah, but come on. Come on, like let's let's. Be I mean, listen, we all. I think Impact deserves some respect for like having probably the better women's division in North America, but let's be realistic here. It's like a couple hundred people per taping. Per taping, it's like it's not even like a touring live thing. It's like literally just tape at the same studio a couple they, shows. They at do time. their best. They do I their best. So, <laughs> I, without being disparaging of Impact, and like I say, it's always good to have um, alternatives and and rival companies in wrestling. So. Not being disparaging of impact, I don't see him going there. Yeah, uh, there was talk that maybe he might go to Japan, but then I remember. Oh yeah, they match. can't. They can't Jordan. because AEW and New Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So they they have that relationship, but then there's like other companies in Japan, like all Japan and that. But then again, during his DDT, match, I imagine him in DDT. 
Kenny's kind of homegrown uh, promotion, DDT, where they do all the crazy, silly stuff. And no, look, Francisco is like, in there, uh, Iron Fist, to make it serious. Not even any like specific Japanese promotion. After his match with, I think it was the House of Black, he was like complaining that they were chopping him too hard. Mm. And if you don't like getting chopped, Japan is not the country for you. Uh, so I don't see him going there. WWE, I actually agree with CJ that he would go like purely out of spite. He, he yeah. is a man motivated by spite. He is, yeah. The problem is, <laughs> I don't think is, yeah. the problem is, I don't think WWE would take him. Oh, so, yeah. like, yeah, they'll be looking at all the problems he caused. Um, yeah, they'll be looking at all the issues he has with people currently in WWE. They'll be looking at what Tony did. Like he, like he can come in and say, "Oh, I'll mend all these bridges," but then they'll be looking at what Tony did to keep him happy, and even that didn't keep him happy. But um, ultimately, I think the thing that'll keep him out of WWE is they're doing fine. Mm. They they don't they don't need Punk, you know. Um, like for the first time in a long time, that company seems to be doing at least some sort of long term booking. Um, so I don't see them taking a gamble when the ratings are already through the roof, their sales are through the roof, they're making more money than they've ever made, their pay-per-views are on Peacock now, so they're getting bigger audiences than ever. They don't need Punk. Why would you take a gamble on him? Um, but I would say would be absolutely hilarious if he pops up in the Royal Rumble and takes Cody's spot at WrestleMania. That would, I would possibly <laughs> day, day laughing. And with I that, know. guys... Also, it's worth remembering... Both the male world champions, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, do not like Punk. No. They've made it very clear they don't like him. And if both your champions are saying, no, we're not, we don't want him back, particularly Roman Reigns, who was like crazy power there, they're not going to have him. Well, I, look, think, I think in a couple of, uh, it'll probably take a couple of years because you know how long it takes him to calm down. I think he will stop and look back <laughs> and go, oh, I really, I really screwed up there. But look, we'll leave that on the final word of Punk for the time being. Guys, we're going to take a, a quick break here and then come back, go into Payback, then into All Out. This is the Wrestling Rewind. We'll talk to you in a few minutes after this short break. Hello everybody, welcome back to the show, of course, here on Phoenix 92.5 FM, TheWrestlingRewind.com, Nerd to Know Media, and wherever else podcasts are available. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time checking us out, again, we appreciate it. Go over to uh, the podcast feed. There's something like 180 shows or something, Martin, we're really getting up there now. So uh, We're and, firing up there. And if you want to help the show out, again, the best word is, the best way is just spread the podcast around, but... We also have a Patreon, and you can give us an X-Pac Euro, where you can keep the lights on, and the tears go up from there as well. Martin, would you like to tell the good people about the tears that we have today? We do. We have uh, we have our X-Pac Euro. That's uh, exclusively for those who didn't know that at the start of the song, X-Pac is shouting, make some noise, and not sex-Pac, which most people seem to think it was. <laughs> so if you weren't aware of that, you owe us an X-Pac Euro. That's, that's not a... That's not negotiable. That's not a donation around it. And if you didn't know that, you owe that to us. Automatically. 
Um, if you want to be really generous, you can send us a Virgil tenor. Uh, and starting this week, we're doing our new CM Punk penny. So you send us a penny every day until Punk shows up on some other wrestling program. That's totally fair. It's totally fair. Um, we should put in like an A-Steel fiver. <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't buy people? Yeah. yeah. Ace, so it'll be like protection money. It's an A-Steel mouthguard. For every, <laughs> for, every, yeah. for every fiver you send us, we will post a gum shield to A-Steel. <laughs> or even better, it will protect Kenny Omega from turning into a steel every yeah. full moon. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> Kenny Omega Silver. A full, a, fu- a full moon fiver. A full moon. Well, well, hold on. If you turn into a werewolf, silver kills werewolves. So, so he's not turning into a werewolf. He's turning into Kenny. a steel. Oh, that's true. Kenny, well, Kenny only wins gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to worry yeah. about it. But yeah, guys, you can go over to the Patreon now and we would appreciate um, any way to support us because... You know, why not? Come on, what else are you doing? Anyway, so we're going to move on and talk about uh, Payback, which was on the same time as Collision. So at one point I had Collision on one screen and then I had Payback on the other screen. Then I got bored about Collision because Punk wasn't there and turned it off. So then I watched Payback. Um, Uh, That's not fair because he didn't show up on Payback either. I know, but I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't watching the show with the expectation that he was going to show up. I was watching. You shouldn't watching, have been watching Collision with the expectation that he was going to show up. I thought it was a work. <laughs> well, I tell How you what. Do you think it was a work, and they're giving out his full shoot name? Well, to be He's fair, before I mean, I, you, is not I was, that insane. I was convinced for weeks that Brawl Out was a work. That it yeah. was. That it was genius. Was. That it was, was yeah. setting up all these feuds. That it was. I was <laughs> fully convinced. But yeah, I'm. I'm totally reformed now, and I'm happy to say that. No, I do not. If that was a work, it made everyone look terrible. But here's the thing: if if Fire and Punk before Collision was a work, it would be genius as well. But look, we're not going to get into that because we we've just we've just rid ourselves of Punk on this podcast for a while. So let's let's just leave him in the other segment. Okay, you're going to have to come up with some sort of new intro for me because this this. This one and oh thing is is done. Punk's out of here. We're not after this episode. We're not mentioning his name. But you're always one and oh. That's your legitimate MMA record. Nah, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's legit. If Punk thing. can't be the real world champion, we're gonna need another real world champion. Exactly, Martin. Come on, come on. All right, I'll I'll be. Your you champion. have to. You have to. You've, you've been outvoted. I'll spray the uh, X on your face. <laughs> okay, so look, this show I know. I know Martin wasn't thrilled by it. Um, I uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet, Cormac, about it. Um, so I I guess we'll kind of do it this way. We we'll go we we'll go match by match and then see what we thought about it overall. We don't have to like dig too deep into it. There's only six matches. It was actually like a very quick show, which genuinely I was actually really appreciative of because there was so much wrestling over the past couple of weeks. I was like, I just want a nice tight show. So much better than others. Um, I, I thought everything kind of made sense. The main event was super good. It was bookended by two really good matches, in my opinion. I lo- really liked the Cage match, and I really, really liked the main event. Um, but we'll, we'll do it this way first, right? So the, the show opened up with Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. Obviously, you know, the whole feud has been that Trish is supposed to be the, you know, she's, she's the most um, 
the best definition of women's wrestling in history. And she's going against Becky, obviously, who's the, the modern day uh, face of women's wrestling for a lot of people. Uh, I really like this match. It's weird to see a cage match um, that is done this well in modern wrestling, but it's also this felt very 2000 uh, Like it helped having Trish Stratus there. But when I was watching it, I was like, whoa, even a lot of the spots in this were very reminiscent of something you'd see on Raw in 2001. Uh, Becky looked great. Trish looked great. The match itself, yeah, the ending was a bit screwy, but again, that makes sense because the attitude arrow is a mess. Um, even though we love it, still a total mess. But that, there are my thoughts on it. I thought Becky winning made the most sense, and and then the little turn as well. So CJ, what did you think about this one? Um, well, first of all, I think the whole uh, stipulation of first to escape the cage is really stupid. Yeah, like the idea. Of, yeah, no, the whole concept of the cage match is. When you have the heel who's constantly running away and looking for some sort of escape, the cage stops them doing that so they can finally settle it. But then the stipulation is, oh, well, if they can escape, then they win. That's really dumb. I think cage matches kind of lose something when you don't have the roof on it. And also when you don't have a little bit of blood in the match. I know WWE doesn't want that anymore, but I don't. when you get like a really personal, really, really angry feud, I think just a little bit of blood makes it something. But yeah, no, they did look good in it. Uh, yeah, I think obviously right call having Becky go over. I don't think it was too screwy. I mean, it kind of makes sense having you one run in to try and interfere a bit in the match. At the end of the day, yeah, I think it, the ending was was good. And uh, yeah, it's good to see cake matches. Just yeah, need a bit more violent. That's true. That that's a fair comment. I I like the current cage they use. It's kind of like a throwback to the Ajit era as well, which is which is nice. Yeah, um, nice that it's not red. Yeah, the red cage is oh terrible. Don't know who came up with that, but always looks bad. Martin, you you weren't necessarily a fan of this one or the show in general. No, but so, look, I'm willing to on this match in particular. I'm willing to take the to defer to sort of public opinion on it. Like everything I've seen, it seems to be universally loved this match um i don't know if it's maybe just wwe's presentation style or what it is but i found it i thought it was okay i found it a wee bit stilted i thought you know it was the becky and trish were quite awkward in certain spots um i i don't know what it is I'm, i was genuinely surprised when i saw that the like the consensus is that this is an incredible match um so I'm willing to, I'm willing to say I don't know. Maybe I was in a yeah, <laughs> a bad, I, I, I agree a bad on mood that. or something. Yeah, no, I agree on that. It was like it was like okay match. I wouldn't say it was like absolutely incredible, but it was just like I watched. It was like yeah, this is like an acceptable cage match to end a feud. Yeah, but what what I mean is like it wasn't the best cage match of all time. Obviously, uh, before for the women's division on you know opening up the show this strongly. Um, or even you know, WWE opened the show strongly in general. It's nice to see, and I just kind of liked a lot of the. I think what what hooked a lot of people here, and particularly me as well, is that it didn't feel like a modern WWE show. Uh, it felt like like walking in time machine. They used a lot of Trish's history in it, and this is probably the best that Trish has ever looked. You know, I mean, she's yeah, she's if not, she if she's done like oh yeah great, she's done. great way to go out absolutely and that's kind of what i think they were what they were doing here they really wanted to give her something to to, to leave on you know and uh becky's great 
obviously Trish is phenomenal. Uh, this is probably one of the, the best cage matches I've seen in recent times in WWE. I'm probably the best cage match that I've ever seen involving two women who, you know, a bit, yeah, a bit of blood would have been great. A, a bit more violence would have been great. But again, you know, the cage match is violent enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you guys that. I think, I think it's good just because we're, you're taking a wrestler who, no, primarily worked in the Divas area where they weren't given really the respect they deserved. They had to do all these, you know, kind of degrading matches with brown panty sort of stipulations and not that much time. It's good to see Trish come out and say, hey, listen, I can work. I can really put on a good match if you just give me the time. I yeah. just give me the sort of respect I deserve. And it's good that there's still some Divas who can still work at that sort of level and get the appreciation they deserve. Well, uh, you know, that it, it's good that they kind of have that, you know, opportunity now. But we moved on then to a John Cena appearance and a lot of speculation why Cena's here. Apparently, it's got a lot to do with the fact that Hollywood is kind of shut down for a little while. That's the entire uh, reason why. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, I might as well go and, and, and wrestle. So he shows up and it looks like he's going to be around for a little while, which is kind of cool. Um, Just, you know, it, it's a good presence to be there. Um, He was there to put over at LA Knight, which, I mean... Obviously, LA Knight is, is probably one of the best things in wrestling right now, particularly in WWE. And uh, yeah, LA Knight defeated The Miz via pinfall with John Cena serving as the special guest referee. Uh, it was a longer match than expected. I really don't think it needed to be nearly 16 minutes. Uh, it could have been four, and that would have been fine. But um, yeah, look, it, this was more to get over the that LA Knight is kind of that rocket strip. Uh, sorry, rocket pack is firmly on his back and he is going to the moon uh, what did you guys think about this Martin LA Knight um, so firstly the the big 20 minute Cena promo thing like I think this was part of my issue with this pay-per-view as a whole it, like you had this and then you had another one of these later on with Cody a big long interview segment and these are like these are things you put on raw you know in the middle of a pay-per-view this just felt like an awful lot of padding Um, it broke up the whole momentum of the show um but that's that's kind of like when you view it as a whole um the match itself uh was fine it was a it was a miz match it was a 16 minute miz match it really didn't need to be 16 minutes But um, the missing long matches is the worst. Oh thing ever. my god! It's but so LA, alienates. He's over as hell, and I don't know. In in order to get up the ladder in, in WWE, you have to serve your time with the Miz. So he's he's <laughs> he's, he's the gatekeeper it. for some reason. Yeah, he's Weird. done it. He's out the other side. I I wish him all the best. Like, uh, yeah. but this didn't particularly do anything for me. CJ, you got anything to add on that one? I'm just kind of being create agreement. It's just like these promo bits just kill the pace of a pay-per-view. Like pay-per-views, you shouldn't have those long sort of promos. It's all to me, it's all about the matches. And the match is just like just watching it just did nothing for me. It's just like, okay. Like LA Knight, he is crazy over. Like just walking around the streets. It would not be totally uncommon just here around him. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I got all in constantly. It was like the totally opposite company, but still everywhere. Yeah, no, literally. It's amazing. Uh, so on the feed but, now, on the feed now, there's a like the show we did when I did went to WWE live in Dublin, right? I was not a fan of LA. I was nothing to LA Knight. I really didn't did nothing for me, right? Over the course of those three hours, solely just from that, 
And when he came out, absolutely a believer. He's so over. And it, it, it is just right place, right time, right catchphrase. Come on. Like, I mean, yeah. You, 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 and yeah, same with you in, in All In. There were people always, yeah, doing, and even in the airport. I don't think you, you, you heard that on the airport. There were some people doing it too. So, yeah, I heard that as well. But like, yeah, it's like, why put him against the Miz? It's like, you give him a really good hot feud. And like, but it does show to the talent of LA Knight that every crap feud he gets put in, put into, he still turns it to gold. Like Bray Wyatt, like that was a weird feud. And he still came out of it looking amazing. Mm-hmm. They just do nothing with him. He comes out looking amazing. Loses money in the bank. Comes out looking amazing. Now he's they have him working with. I I think uh, to borrow a line from MJF, a car wrestler. And <laughs> for if you don't know that reference, it's create a rest. You default uh, create a wrestler. And that's what Miz Miss feels like. He feels like just something default in a video game. Create a wrestler mode. And. Yeah, it's just like what's it's just there's just not there's like there's no point to this feud. And it's just like, come on, you could do better with him. Give him something to really sink his teeth into. Well, I mean, I think he did like he got that with Bray Wyatt in uh the Royal Rumble. Yeah, he yeah, that's what I'm sort of saying. He did yeah. get like a decent feud. It was just a little weird and the match itself wasn't amazing, stunning visuals, weird ending. But it, I, I, but the fact that he still managed to come out of it look no, looking really good. Just the fact that fans were just so interested in this LA Knight character shows that if you give LA Knight something, he'll make it work. So give him something really goddamn good. I think we're going to see that, and and having seen it there as the passing of the torch kind of thing, that really was the point of this. Um, and yeah, I mean, it it did the job. You know, I I expect him to go up the card now and. We'll kind of see what happens. But the next match was very weird. It was like the opposite. Uh, Rey Mysterio, for some reason, winning the... Or uh, beating Austin Theory uh, with the US title on the line. I don't think Mysterio needs this. I know it's it's a whole LWO thing, but it's like, come on, Mysterio. Like, why? This, what, what are you doing? I, I, this this, this was like something that should have just appeared on a random run. Yeah, this, this felt like a raw segment to me. I, there was nothing... Cool about it. The match itself was was bleh. It was it was strange. Uh, I don't. I think you hit the nail on the head. It felt like a raw segment, Martin. Yeah, I mean, all the respect in the world for Rey Mysterio, but um, yeah, you, you put him up against Austin Theory. It's a bit like sticking LA Knight up against the Miz. Like these are guys who are non-entities. They really need to go away and come back totally, totally reinvented. Um, because they just scream like raw mid card. Uh, yeah, so the match again did nothing for me. Like we're we're three matches in at this stage. We've been through a, a twenty minute talkie segment, and I'm like I'm really just uh, starting to lose the will to live at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? No, do you know what? That's yeah. that's hyperbolic. That's too much. Do you know what it was? Um, at this stage, the the pay per view, because it's an amazing last match. I can't wait to talk about it. But right up until that point, the pay per view is giving me mad, like mid twenty tens split roster pay per view. Do you know the way you used to get like a like a 
roadblock or a great balls of fire that was like only raw or only smackdown and it was like the stars would have like one big match and then it was just a bunch of filler that's that's the vibe i was getting off this pay-per-view as i say right up until the till the main event yeah i mean i agree that I would agree with that as well. I think that was that was very fair. Uh, it did yeah. have more moments though than those split roster shows. I yeah. would have to say like yeah. the fact that you had a, a you know the torch passing moment, and then you also had the the undisputed title uh, tag titles been changed, which I don't think anybody saw coming. I definitely didn't. I was very surprised by that. Um, there spoiler. are two big yeah, spoiler, yeah, <laughs> but there there are two moments that genuinely on a 2005 pay-per-view or split roster pay-per-view around the time you wouldn't really see that it would always be status quo so i mean if nothing else we got two big changes here i think which i think justifies the show now it wasn't the best show in the world uh but i I did really enjoy that we had those moments that you know i wasn't expecting yeah and look like sure sometimes you would get those kind of shocks with um those split roster pay-per-views. Do you remember one of the Cyber Sundays we did? Uh, they came out and was it Shelton Benjamin beat Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental title? And you were like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. And um, they, they didn't even know that was happening until they were walking <laughs> out. Like, so. Um, so look, yeah, like I, again, I'm, I'm fully aware that I'm the AEW guy. So I really, I try not to sound like I'm just like, been down on this stuff just to be down on it. I'm, I'm honestly not. Um, but yeah, again, this like this far into the pay per view, I was, I was really flagging. Yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of the same. I'm more AEW than WWE, but yeah, those the LA Night match, the Rave Series match, just watch going like, why am I watching this? This feels so <laughs> unneeded, and this okay. doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like a pay per view worthy match. Okay, well, look, we'll 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 move along on the next. We'll combine the next two matches, then I move to what really kind of held the show together. Judgment Day defeated Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn again. I was just kind of semi watching this because you know Sami Zayn's there, and I just um. So I was happy enough when Finn won because I'm like, yay! Obviously, Finn Balor, who's Irish, you know, we need to get the wins in. Um, yeah, exactly. So I was happy for them, and also JD Sam- McDonough got the help. Yeah, exactly. And well, Wolf Tones need to do a Finn Balor song. They should. A clash. <laughs> In fact, it's one of his finished moves called 1916. 1916, yeah. Oh, there you go. Writes yeah. itself. <laughs> Writes itself. Uh, have have them there walking about to WrestleMania. I think that'd be class. Um, but yeah, so RTE would just implode. But he might actually pay attention to wrestling, so <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, but they just uh, give out about it. Oh, well, look, leave them to it. Uh, <laughs> leave them to it. Poor brain lad has been corrupted by Americans to kicking people's heads in, stomping on them from great height to the tune of Sinn Féin music. <laughs> While wearing loads of different kinds of paint. It writes itself. Um, but yeah, so again, I was, I'm always happy to see Sami Zayn lose. So I was thrilled. Uh, you monster! No, I man, come on! I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, Rhea oh, Ripley you don't like Sami Zayn. No, it's it's his music. It drives me up the wall. Oh like, right, right. It, like if he changes music, here's the thing. I think I've said this before, right? Here's how you fix Sami Zayn, right? Changes music, right? Maybe to something like Motorhead, 
you know, he grows his hair out a little bit. Uh, maybe you give him like a, a an um an accessory like a a hammer. Uh, change up his move set maybe to like good moves like you know something like a pedigree. Uh, and and you know there you go. You get my leather jacket. Yeah, gain thirty thirty kilos of muscle. Yeah, I mean there you go. You like, just want to turn Sami Zayn into Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that your trick for every wrestler? Is you turn him into Triple H? It'll get them over. You know that's the thing. Get them over. Uh, to me, Zane, who's not over whatsoever. To me, anyway. Right to, to me, it'll, it'll get them over. To me, <laughs> now it could be wrong, but that's what I would do to fix Sami Zayn. Uh, or or put, fixing, or put the mask back back on him. That'd be good too. Just saying. mask. Where did he ever wear a mask? I don't think Sami Zayn's ever worn a mask. <laughs> well, Sami Zayn didn't, but El Generico did. So and why are we talk about El Generico? He's a very different person. Very different, I heard of course, he's of he's a retired and moved yeah. out to Mexico now. Of course, how silly, how silly of me. Well, why would next he'll be next. He'll be throwing around salacious rumors about the true identity of Mister America. Oh come on now, that's we're not this kind of show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but look, Rhea Ripley uh, was successful in her defense, which again is great. I love Rhea Ripley. Uh, I always have a fear that. Uh, Charlotte Flair is going to walk out and beat her like every week. Uh, <laughs> That's just going to happen. Like every time she comes out, uh, she's like, "Hey, uh, oh no!" And you know, hey, yeah, Grant. I think we're free from Charlotte Flair. We're never free from Charlotte Flair, man. She no, no, shows no, no, the, no. The apparently the reason why is I think it's twofold. One, apparently she's doing a bodybuilding competition, so she needs time off to get the body ready for that. And two, word is her and Andrade are getting divorced, and they're wow. dealing with that. So, wow. yeah, so real well, life reasons. Well, look, yeah, but who knows? Like Triple H might go, Jesus, Charlotte's having a tough old time with this divorce. Do you know what would really cheer her up? <laughs> Breaking her dad's we, record. If we got her to break her dad's world title record. Oh, man. <laughs> like every time, every time there's like a, a a woman wrestler who like is getting a break, I just expect <laughs> it. It's just like you're just sitting there, like oh, Charlotte's running. She's da- running through a gorilla. Darby's Darby's. Sitting in the kitchen in the morning, and his bar comes up, and puts the kettle on. She's just about to take a sip of a oh, lovely cup of tea, and Dara's just sitting there terrified that Charlotte's going to come bursting <laughs> through the door and take the tea off her. <laughs> I mean, come on, man! It happens all the time. It's just like oh, this. I just, I just that woman, her best performance was in WCW that one time. Remember, Martin? <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay. So look, in in the eight minutes we have, well. Six minutes we have left before we have to take a break, before we, we, we jump over into the podcast. Um, what did we think about the main event, Martin? Right. This was, it felt like a totally different show for the last 30 minutes. The presentation of Shinsuke Nakamura was amazing. I, I don't know what they've been doing with Nakamura for the past, what is it, five years he's been there or whatever, but this is what Shinsuke Nakamura should be. That uh, kind of samurai manga um intro oh, that so good yeah, oh, God, was I love that. incredible loved it. his entrance for the first time since basically since he debuted his entrance wasn't this goofy fella you know in a cat suit coming out he legitimately looked dangerous he looked like a guy who was ready for the world title he got in and he fought like nakamura he fought almost like you know, New Japan Nakamura. Um, I got that too. Yeah, this felt like a Wrestle like, Kingdom match. 
Uh, that's that like, hard, but yeah. no, but you know what I mean? It, it's WWE in the best wrestling. Yeah, wrestling, it's the you know? WWE version. But I'm telling you, the last half hour of this show felt like a completely different pay-per-view. I, I think agree. that's maybe yeah. why a lot of people are are sort of given a lot of goodwill. I think maybe more than it deserves because the last half hour kind of left you feeling great. Wow, that was the that last. Was awesome. The last bit of like the the last um, let's say segment of the match uh, was actually probably one of the best things I've seen in WWE in a long time. You know, oh, it was it was it, actually fantastic. And the match was built really well. Like a lot of yeah. times, uh, because WWE have their house style. Like when a match goes half an hour, there's a big plodding section in the middle, or like a really slow start. But you now this was built really well and paced really well, mm. and it peaked at certain times and got into like a genuine frenzy by the end where you knew in the back of your mind like that Rollins isn't dropping the title this early and he's not dropping it to Shinsuke Nakamura like he looks great here but they've done nothing with him for however many years but man you were watching those shoulders go down for a couple of those counts and you were you were thinking oh my god they're going to do it yeah uh, this was excellent CJ I, I would say, yeah, it was a damn good match. And I love what they're, they're, they're making Sinsuke feel like a really legitimate challenge. I would disagree, though, with the idea of, oh, maybe they're finally changing. Nah, to me, it was never in question. Like, And that's one of the things that did sour the match a tiny bit for me is that when it's a pay-per-view world title defense, to me, to be good, it needs to feel like a legitimate challenge. And... As much as I loved Nakamura, I didn't feel like it was a serious challenge. Like I knew at the end, of course, it's gonna be Rollins coming out at the end. Okay, I, I did. I know kind of films that it was gonna be either way, and that kind of sours the match a little bit because then I just feel like okay, it's just a question of how Rollins is gonna do it. And that's fair. I mean, look, I think the the last word on this show really is you know it is bookended by two really really good shows. Can you skip everything else? Yeah, probably. But I'd say if you haven't seen the Nakamura Rollins match, probably go out of your way to watch it. Guys, we're gonna jump and over. We, we skipped right over a twenty minute Cody talking segment. As no, well. we didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. You, you must have fell asleep we, and dreamt that, Martin. <laughs> we, we we briefly chatted about why we had like two talking segments, and really, let's just get over it because talk promos in a pay per view usually waste time. Yeah, and that's what it felt like. But we're going to jump over onto the podcast where it's going to be all things all out. Uh, again, if this is your first time uh, checking out the show, thank you so much uh, for checking us out on Phoenix 92.5 FM. We're here every week, but uh, please go over to nerdtonomedia.com or thewrestlingrewind.com where you can get all of our shows, including the rest of this one, because we're going to be back after this break talking about AEW's all out. Do you have nothing else to do on a Saturday? Do you like nerd things? Now check out Nerd to Know Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM, 5pm to 6pm, and then head over to nerdtoknowmedia.com for all of our shows as part of the Nerd to Know Media radio network. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.
Hey everybody, welcome back to the Wrestling Rewind here on Phoenix 92.5 FM's post show. Um, TheWrestlingRewind.com, the True Penny Channel and NerdToKnowMedia.com. This show is obviously what we do after the po- after the radio show. And uh, now it's going to be all about AEW's All Out. The second pay-per-view, which they did in the space of two weeks. Of course, the first one being All In in London, which myself, my co-host and our guest were all at. And now this one was from Chicago, with, uh, which didn't have CM Punk on it. So that was hilarious that all, all went down. But we talked about that in the earlier segment. If you guys haven't checked that out, go over and listen to it but we had a stack card tonight uh, I know Martin's uh, chomping at the bit to, to talk about this uh, we're not going to talk about the pre-show we're just going to keep it nice and tight uh, starting from the the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships all the way down so before we get into this uh, guys what were your expectations before watching this show I know like for myself I didn't really have any I was kind of like okay really looking forward to seeing the strap match um, but I didn't really know what to expect because again like it was kind of a case of right, all in was very good, uh, if not great. How are they going to do it again? What was it going to feel like? Was something going to be lacking? Blah blah blah. There's some of the concerns I had, but after watching it, I I think a lot of those were either completely uh, void or my expectations were exceeded. But Martin, you said this is like the best show you've ever seen. Why? This is my not the best show I've ever seen, but for me, this is my show of the year. Okay. Maybe very, very close run with Forbidden Door, but um, I think AEW's a wee bit like Armagh's uh, county football team. They can go out, do all the training, do the best, you know, be put in the best position in the world and go out and face, you know, a lower league team and get bait. But when they're under pressure, when they're in trouble and when they're coming up against a team, everyone says they're going to be battered by, they somehow managed to pull out a win. So, all Out had everything running against it. Its build was muddled because the biggest show in history happened a week before it and the build was kind of half for it and then a couple of things were nodded towards All Out. Um, a couple of things were thrown on in the final Dynamite and final collision so it didn't, it didn't feel like there was a whole load of long-run stuff going into it. And then, of course, like days before it happens, the man who was supposed to... Uh, main event the show was fired yeah. so it, it felt like this show had everything going against it but um, I I don't know what it is and I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks of Dynamite and Revolution to see if I can pinpoint what exactly it was because it's not just uh, getting rid of Punk although that is a big part of it I think that has sort of relieved a lot of tension um, in the locker room but whatever it was, from the minute this show started, like even before the first match, it just felt like oh, the old AEW again. It felt like 2019, 2020, sort of pre-pandemic AEW. Like it felt uh, gritty, visceral. It felt like a fight night. Uh, it didn't have, you know, 80, 90,000 people there. But the 10,000 people who were there were absolutely rabid because of the smaller arena. They were closer in. And it felt like everyone on the card, you know what, what they did with the original All In and what they did with the sort of the first year of AEW when there was a lot of guys people didn't know. It felt like everyone on this card had something to prove. Mm. I, I don't know what it is. It's just like maybe if we go through it match for match, I'll go, mm, actually, 
maybe Forbidden Door match for match was better. But I think there's a difference between best pay-per-view and your favourite pay-per-view. So I'd yeah. say this is my, if not the best pay-per-view of the year, probably my favourite pay-per-view of the year. That's fair. And CJ, what, what about you? What, you? what were your thoughts going into this? What were your concerns? Were, were they met or were they uh, were you disappointed? The concerns were kind of the same in that it felt like when you're doing two shows in a row, and Tony, he actually has some pretty decent reasoning for why he did that. Because obviously he got the bank holiday in the week uh weekend in the UK, and then a week later it's the bank holiday weekend in the US. So it made sense from a business perspective. But yeah, it's just like it felt like most of the build went to all in, and justifiably so, but it just felt like all out got maybe the scraps or would then be sorted out the week after, but then the week after you have people missing it because of uh of like storms, injuries. Uh I think there was a funeral for uh Wyndham Rotunda as well. Uh kind of scumpered plans as well. But here's what I always say with AEW. Even if the build sucks, even if there's so much tension or whatever going before, other nonsense. You tell the talent, go out there, kill it. All the wrestlers in AEW, I feel, particularly the ones in the pay-per-view, are hungry. And I love it when a performer is hungry. The only th- destroy. The only thing that bugged me about this was the lack of build. You know, and look. Yeah. yeah and the yeah, only yeah. reason why, look, I, look, what you're saying, you guys are right. You're not wrong. Bodius have made really good points, which I agree with. The actual wrestling itself stands to itself, right? But at the end of the day, this is a pro wrestling company, right? And they're supposed to tell stories, pal. And they're not. Like, I mean, you, you can't you can't build something in a week. You know, and look, obviously well, here's the thing, well, a lot of these are got decent long-term stories though. Yeah, but but hold on. What I'm saying is like the, the, the I'm going to give the strap match a pass because obviously that was set up probably day off, right? Uh Danny Bryan tor- returned in like you know, earlier than expected and you know he did a great and I really like the the Ricky Dragon Steamboat segment thought that was class right so we give that one a pass but a lot of these matches while they were part of long term stories they didn't have that big it didn't feel like it had the sense of finish like Moxley and, and Orange Cassidy was incredible but it was random it was it was very random and I just wish these matches were set up look there's how many pay-per-views do AEW have? Normally it takes about uh, prior to 2022 it was like four a year. Okay. Last year was five. This year they're really picking them up because yeah. the network has said they want more pay-per-views. So look, if, well. if if they are going to go to one a month Oh this God, kind of, no. Yeah, no, but this kind of stuff I think is Gates okay. pushing it, but yeah. Yeah, but, well. but, okay, if they go one a month this, this kind of build is okay. Even at eight it, they should be two or three months out, you know, like every one of these, but like particularly all out and all in, they're their biggest shows, right? They're the shows that they, you know, they're kind of like it's looking like the Starcade or whatever, right? Or the Bound for Glory. This stuff should matter, and it it just didn't really seem to matter outside of the match being awesome. It didn't seem to matter, and that's something they need to kind of work on. Like, I mean, okay, what I mean by that is. The Daniel Bryan Ricky Starks match, right? The only reason why that mattered was because it was a scrap match and the two lads killed each other, right? But when I was watching it, I was like, "But why are you so angry at him? Like, you know, he only 
I mean, you I weren't even involved think, in this in a week. I think ago. if you watched AEW a bit more long term, week on week, a lot more, these matches make sense to you. Yeah. Why they really work so well. Well, okay. Like, why did like, why did why did Moxley and Orange Cassidy have to be so violent towards each other for a title that Cassidy was kind of, you know, he, his whole thing was he didn't really care about it. You know, why was that match so violent? Oh, no, that's not, absolutely not what's happening with Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, you make clear, he just got it from the start because he wanted to be the pack. And right. then when he got it, he's been ruthlessly defending it. He's made it clear, this is my title. I'm going to offend it like hell. He's become the workhorse of AEW now, Orange Cassidy. And that title reign has been elevated that title from something we give pack to defend on the indies to the real workhorse champion. But why did he AEW. have why did he have to bleed there, so much? But there is <laughs> a there is a genuine storyline to it, but it would um like you'd be completely forgiven for not uh, knowing it because it actually originated on a Ring of Honor pay per view. Okay. Um so there was a match between I think maybe it was best friends and someone else. It was a four way. It, it was a four team tag match between uh, best friends, Aussie Open, Lucha Bros, and uh, a four team who escaped me. And Mox interfered anyone. He basically laid out, like really viciously laid out uh, Orange Cassidy. And then obviously they had the thing and at all in with the stadium stampede with Cassidy and, and them. But and the again, BCC like, has been targeting best friends really hard the last few weeks. Yeah, but again, you'd be forgiven for not following that just because part of it did sort of originate on Ring of Honor and not everybody watches Ring of Honor. And also yeah, this I'm... is a match where they had to really, I think this is one of those rare matches where the loser comes out looking better. And he because, did. And he did. And here's, here's the kind of story of Orange Cassidy though. He comes out, he's originally uh, the slacker who comes in and he's made the, the, he's defended that championship against some of the biggest stars in ASW. Mm. And someone will come out of it. And it makes a story of, yeah, Orange Cassidy finally lost the belt, but it was only after 30-something defenses, him working through multiple injuries, we had to get John Moxley, who is the ace of AEW, and probably the most well-protected star they have. And even Mox struggled to beat Orange Cassidy. He had to bloody him up something fierce. And only then could he just about get the victory on Orange Cassidy. That's a star making performance of Orange Cassidy. They had to make him bleed so much to show we have to rip it out of his bare hands to get that title off him. So were you guys happy with that being the main event then? Oh God, yeah. That was oh, Orange moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I was happy with that as a main event. Uh partly because it's Orange like it's it's the elevation of Orange Cassidy to the top level. Mm. Um and partly because um, it's the elevation of that title, like the. So I think what they're doing is, um, that's going to become kind of collisions, kind of top title. Okay. Uh, um. So maybe I. I think he's going. I think Mox is going back into the Indies for just do some more shows here and there. Like he's definitely doing OTT in October, and I would highly suspect he'll be bringing the title there. Well, okay. oh yeah, he's he's gonna have that for a while. Well, but as, a, as a main event, I really liked it. And I would normally think, yeah, that the world title should. But That's what I was going to say. Yeah, this, what... this program with MJF and Adam Cole is so popular right now. It's gold. That Literally. it kind of yeah. didn't need to be the, the main event. I, th- I think it devalues the title, though, does it not? Like, it's... Nah, I don't... You know, having your, world so. cha- having your world champion there 
and him not defending the belt, it's you know. No, I I think it's fair just because he'd all. I think it would kind of value a little more if it was defended two weeks in a row when they've okay. already been running with the idea of this is a title that's rarely defended, and when they do, it's a huge thing. It okay. kind of feels weird to go from it's defended in as the main event of the biggest wrestling match in the history of wrestling, hmm. and then a week later, oh, we're gonna just suddenly rush a new program in to do another world title defense. Or I think it, it comes down to the yeah, I think it, I think it comes down to the character of the champion as well. Like it works with MJF. It wouldn't work with someone else. With someone like if John Moxley was the world champion, you'd be like, Yeah, what are you doing? Why aren't you out there defending the title at every opportunity? But mm. um when you have a character like MJF who's whose whole thing is like you know, I will fight my contractually required dates, and that is it. You know, I think it kind of works. Uh, works for him. Okay. Well, look, I mean, they're the questions I had going into it. Um, so I'm going to hand this over to you, Martin, because this is your, this is your baby, and you know, we'll uh, myself and CJ will just give comments on this. So, where do you want to go on this one? Yeah, sure. Look, we'll we'll run through. There's a good few matches, and like I say, we don't want to be here all night, so we'll run through them brave and, and quickly anyway. Um, better than New Baby versus Dark Order. For me, like, Dark Order was never going to win. This wasn't so much about the match, which was a fun, like, um, it was a fun, what, but 12, 15 minute match. Uh, Dark Order's pretty good back and forth, but like, they were never going to win. But it was never about that. It's all about furthering this, uh, this story between Adam Cole and MJF. Which I was, you know, pretty happy about. Um, what about yourselves? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Dark Order, particularly now. Now that they're healed, now I think it really works well. They've really started to redeem themselves. They had a brilliant match for Ring of Honor against the uh, uh, Stu Ben or whatever his name is. But uh, yeah, I like the match. I think it's, I think it's just a good way for Adam Cole and, and particularly MJF just to flex their face muscles a little bit, have some fun matches that uh, they kind of don't really get to do in a world title sort of picture. And yeah, yes, we all knew it's Dark Order weren't going to win, but it's just to give a good match and have some fun. And I really liked it. Dara? Yeah, I mean, again, I you know my thoughts on MJF. Um, Adam Cole, it's great to see. Uh, I was happy when it was over. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's fair enough, yeah. <laughs> like, like I say, th- this is a fair criticism because I do this a lot with WWE because I don't watch the weekly show. So sometimes I don't get the full sort of emotional impact of a show on a pay-per-view. So like, it'd be, it'd be fair enough that if you were just watching this show expecting all elite wrestling, like the best in-ring wrestling. That's what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, that this, that's the thing, yeah. yeah. Um, next match, Samoa Joe uh, defeated Shane Taylor by submission. This was a good match. Like it was only six minutes, and Shane Taylor's he's more of an ROH guy. He's not hugely known, but they're two big guys. They batted the hell out of each other. It was a good match, but the main thing was uh, MJF was still holding his neck, still walking back up the ramp um, when Samoa Joe decided, hit my music, and he walked down to the ring, and when he was walking past MJF, he just shoved him out of the way. So setting up a whole uh, Samoa Joe MJF thing again. Uh, yeah, you could argue that you know maybe on a pay per view you shouldn't be having a match that's basically to uh, to start an angle. 
but I'm 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 looking forward to MJF versus Samoa Joe. Uh, what do you think of this one, Dara? Yeah, I mean, seeing Samoa Joe kill someone is always good. Uh, like this was this was old school TNA Samoa Joe. Like he's done this before. What is always... he on lately? Oh man, it's like he stepped in a time machine and he's just he's like, no, I'm going back to be to being peak Samoa Joe. He's and it's amazing great. lately. But but this is what he did. He had a similar run like this where he just killed everyone in the X Division for like a year. <laughs> Literally just would just run through people. And it seems like that's kind of the run they're trying to give him here with, with this uh with this television title. Like it, it really does feel like that's the mold that they're working in. And look, no disrespect to, uh, disrespect to Shane Taylor, but his job was there to get buried and he got buried. Um but I you know, I would be very interested to see him with MJF to, to see like Joe getting that kind of match out of him. Um, because like physically MGF and Punk had a lot in like they worked well together and I think like a big guy, small guy match would be very, very, very good. That's like Joe's big thing going all the way back. Um so yeah, if that's the next program that they're doing, damn sign me up for that one because a Samoa Joe right now, always a treat to watch. CJ. Uh yeah, I think same feeling that the opponent choice was kind of baffling at the start of like of all last week of like a random match that maybe feels more in place on a Ring of Honor pay per view, but as soon as they kind of made it clear, this isn't so much about the match against Shane. This is about setting up that angle with MJF and making Joe look good again after eating the loss at all. In I think it definitely served a good purpose and. uh why Shane, of all people, got the match, I don't get. But, uh, hey, he got the match. He did a good job. Uh, we all love a bit of uh, big, meaty men slapping man meat. But that, uh, and it, like, it sort of did that. But, of course, we got that a little bit later into the night. Oh, I think he got I think he got the match because he's like, right, I'll go out and take the pin. <laughs> That's probably why I'll he got the get, match. I'll take the submission, Does Shane Taylor have any... Like connection to Chicago, maybe that was it. But no, it was it was it was set up on Ring of Honor. He won something on Ring of Honor, but ah, again, he's from Cle- he's from Cleveland in Ohio. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. It, it was it was something that was set up on Ring of Honor. But again, like I watch Ring of Honor weekly, very sporadically because Tony, I would love to watch Ring of Honor, but I am not paying nine ninety nine a month to watch Ring of Honor. I have to say though, right? He recently made his impact debut like last year and he lost against Crazy Steve. And Crazy Steve is not you know, he's not a wrestling titan. So yes, I he's crazy. He's crazy. And not to be confused with the crazy Steve from Drake and Josh. Uh this is a different crazy Steve. Um yeah, I mean this guy was literally brought out to get battered for like six minutes and then get choked out. That's that's yeah. why he. That's why he was there for. I think this was as close as you get to a to an enhancement match on a pay per view, as you can as you can you know. But I liked it. I thought it was great. I mean, again, lads, if he's haven't and again the the listeners, if he's haven't seen Samoa Joe's run in TNA initially, this is what he did. Someone would show up in the X division. He'd kill. This is where the Joe's going to kill you thing came from, right? He he would run through them, destroy them. And everybody loved it. You know, sometimes you'd have a, a really good match that, you know, Joe would struggle with. Like, I, well, the one that comes to mind now is Samoa Joe versus Sabu in a cage match um, in lockdown a couple of years ago. Uh, 
but yeah, like this is bread and butter Samoa Joe. This is like real Samoa Joe we're getting. So I'm okay with it. Uh, next match was Luchasaurus with the real TNT champion, Christian Cage. Yeah, Christian yeah. Cage. <laughs> Against yeah. uh, Darby Allen. By God. Like, whenever this oh, match, the best. Whenever yeah. this match came on, I was like, God damn, this is it just me or is this pay per view cooking? This is awesome. Yeah. Luchasaurus versus Darby Allen on its own. That's a great match because Lucha is huge and he can hurl guys around and nobody gets hurled around like Darby Allen. That guy <laughs> is determined to kill himself. He's just, he's absolutely determined to do it. Um, the amount of pain pills, he, he's going to be Jeff Hardy. <laughs> him and Jeff Hardy are going to be like, you know, he's going to like, he's straight edge. Not for very much longer. Uh, I mean, the things he does to his body. He'll just get mad in the in the, in the pain pills. Uh, Pepsi. Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, man, this this match was fantastic. Like, if you like a big man, small man um, set up matches, like this was terrific. Darby is really pushing himself. Like he's, um, I think they have something. Like obviously they're going with MJF and they've a the whole thing with Adam Cole blow up and there's, you know, Orange Cassidy's out there like like really building his profile. But I think they have something big coming for Darby Allen down no, the No, they do. And I te- I'll tell you where this really kind of hit me as well. Um, all in, there were like kids there dressed as Darby Allen. Yeah. You oh, know, and I mean, mad over. Yeah, and I mean, once, once you have that level of investment, that's who you start pushing because they're the ones that, that buy the merch. You know, and like again, he's like modern day Jeff Hardy, and I mean that not in an disparaging way. I mean it in like in a literal way. Like he is, he has, he cultivates the same fan base, the same group. Is over with kids. Yeah, has, has a vendetta against his own body. You know, so I and mean, those, those fans getting, will be fans for life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and also Sorry, he's getting like he's yeah he's also getting the alt crowd in. Like yeah, absolutely. We're yeah. seeing like there's a post on like I think Squared Circle just saying that listen, it's not an op- it's not that much of a secret in the manufacturing, uh, not a merch manufacturing scene. That yeah, his se- shirts and merch sell really well at Hot Topic from all. Oh yeah, I believe who it. just yeah, are yeah. really into him. Yeah. So yeah, I, he is. As I said, he's he's, he's the. And I like day. him also he... because he's willing to take a pin. He knows when losing really works well for you on your arc. Yeah, he's a modern day Jeff Hardy. Like literally in in every conceivable way. And I mean that works. This match, you know, it was cool. I, I again ending with Christian Cage and I'm there for it. So well, this I, was, gimmick, <laughs> I, I love this match. Yeah. I was just about to follow up that even if the match hadn't been great, Christian Cage is Maybe the second best thing on AEW at the moment he's he is the he is standing. Listen, he's one of the greatest talents that nobody knew about until recently. If there's one thing that I'm happy about AEW is that people finally know how great Christian Cage is. I've been screaming for 15 years longer. Yeah, 15 years about how great Christian Cage has been on TNA. And nobody was like, you like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, no, go watch it. And now you got to see a Marie doing it on a bigger audience. And for that, I'm grateful. If Tony has done nothing else, is that he's allowed people see how great Christian Cage is. Oh, this is... This someone managed his... to turn your father is dead into the biggest pop. <laughs> like the fact there is so much. Like I remember when he was, like, when he was doing it with Nick Wayne, everyone just knew. It's like Nick Wayne. I've heard a lot about you. I've heard a lot about your father. Crowd goes 
Oh, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not. And your father oh, is dead. Yay! <laughs> he's he's absolutely masterful. Like he's like and Luchasaurus is a he's a good wrestler. He's he's not like one of the top guys, but he's a good wrestler and he's a really imposing physical figure. But my god, and he's the one doing the wrestling and Cage still outshines him. Every, he is the TNT champion. Oh, that, yes. That's not he even, a, is, yeah. that's not yeah, even this, a gimmick in his head anymore. Like, he's the champion. He's, he's incredible. Yeah, this, this is why uh, there are some big sites doing betting on wrestling, which is weird to me, but still, I'm going to take advantage of that. A lot of them were pricing it as Darby as the favorite. And, like, statistically, yeah, you could probably argue that. No, it was still the best thing. I called it absolutely Luchasaurus is retaining because oh, what's yeah. the story? What's the story of Darby wins? Okay, I guess he starts a new reign with no obvious view to go into, or you keep it on Luchasaurus, and eventually, it, 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 the whole point of the story is obviously Luchasaurus is going to start getting angry that Christian Cage is calling himself the real champ, and he's going to start you no know, building that sort of kind of that Batista angle of the bodyguard muscle, you no, know, builds a spine and stands up to that bastard heel manager. That's that's the entire point of this angle. And you know, and you have to have keep the, t- the championship on him to make that angle make sense. And if there's anything we've learned from history, it's that when you rob a Burger King, you do your heroin at home. <laughs> you don't do it in the restaurant. What, <laughs> Marin? T- tell tell CJ the story and fans, of, uh, listeners, and fans that may not, may not understand the TNA I, reference. I am very confused. So, so um, who was it actually did the the robbery? Oh, it was uh, it was one of t- it was one of uh, Christian Cage's old floozies. Hold on, I'll look up his name. But uh, basically, Darren look up his name. But basically, he real life legitimately robbed a Burger King. I assume Tomko. It was, it was Tyson Tomko. Uh, Tyson Tomko robbed Burger King. Uh, armed robbery, I assume, because uh, once he'd gotten. The you know his his ill gotten gains. He just sat down and and had himself a a nice bit of smack right in there. the bathroom, right there in the, in the, the bathroom <laughs> of the Burger King that he was robbing while the police <laughs> were on their way. And he thought, if I'm going to jail, I'm going to jail with a smile. And that's why Tomko I, I, is, and that's why Tomko isn't in AEW, <laughs> and he's been replaced with Luchasaurus. So. Well, no, that's the phrase like uh, when you gotta go, when you got, when you got, you gotta go, when you gotta go. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> shoot up, you gotta shoot up. <laughs> um, look, if there's one thing they've learned from Orange Cassidy is with the right person and the right title run, you can really elevate a title. So they took the international title from yeah, it was kind of just a ugh, another single title they don't really need uh, to now it's it's the second title in the company. The TNT title was that for a while, and then it really fell off. And I think, oh, good. Thank you, Sar. Thank you, Sammy Guevara and <laughs> Scorpio Sky. Um, but I think a good long, I would keep it on Christian Cage for a long time, a good long Christian Cage run. Even when the feud comes to a head and he fights Luchasaurus for it, I'd have Christian Cage win. Oh, yeah, man. I Look, he's one of the best things about professional wrestling. I would say he's better than Edge as far as like, you know, his consistent character work. 
and in the ring he always delivers as well so here you asked the question earlier Dara um, is Punk going to show up in WWE and now I will uh, rebut the question back to you is Edge going to show up on AEW oh I would say so yeah I think that makes sense but where and why would be a better question I mean I don't think he'll be there as Christian's tag team partner they'll probably do a few they'll probably do some sort of feud or you know I think look AEW needs that kind of star for collision so i'd see probably oh. edge yeah i'd see edge probably Ooh. up on collision um yeah. up the top and, of the card and that's collision is the the one that's on tnt dynamite yeah. tbs now so yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean yeah. that's where yeah. i that's where i see him going if he is going like obviously they'll do something with christian eventually when he becomes a face because <laughs> right now i don't think edge wants to go into that when he's screaming about his like people's dad's being dead <laughs> So like, I like Adams and Edge's dad. I think he says before that he never knew his father. So yeah, it's, it's kind of hard for Christian Cage. And based on your age, statistically speaking, your father is statistically speaking probably dead. No, no, Christian Cage goes, Edge. I know you're estranged from your father, but guess what? I have him here tonight. And he comes out on stage, and then Christian coffin. And then Christian just shoots up. He's like, "Your dad's dead." <laughs> oh, I, I, I think it would work if, like, uh, no, Edge does come back as the face. He and it's just the two never acknowledge each other, never face each other on stage until Edge's last feud. Like this is like, yeah, the last that, one. that's because he, like, gen- he said yeah, that before. That's so genuinely like, what I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it just it has to be Christian and Edge saying. We need to figure out who's better. Yeah, and I think that is probably what they do. That like that's the smart thing to do. Let Edge have his own run. Um, again, look again. They need a they need a star on Collision. They really do. And throw him in there with with uh, Daniel Bryan, and you have a, you have your first program right out of the gate. Like, um, um next yeah. match was the debut of Lana. Slapping man meat. Uh, the, the debut of Lana. That's what we had next. It did. Never mind yeah, Lana. Was... We got meat. We got. I I lost my whole off meat. At, you know, no, no, yeah, just the constant meat forever chance. Wait, hold and... on, hold on a minute. I didn't realize. Uh, what's your man's name? Ah. Stansasia came back. <laughs> what's going I was, on? I was hoping you wouldn't be able to think of his name. Sean Stasiak, <laughs> the return of meat. Is he all elite now? <laughs> all, all, all he meet. All um, so, uh, but like Miro... the best part, yeah. So best part to me, anyway, of that uh, Lana debut was every time she was looking at one of the wrestlers, whether it was Miro or Powerhouse, the crowd just just beat that meat over and over again. <laughs> oh, um. So yeah, Miro comes out to defeat Powerhouse Hobbs. This, this was an awesome, just huge guys beating the hell out of each other match. But what really got this match over for me was it was kind of the theme of the night. It was guys getting over in defeat. It was uh, somebody somebody getting over and somebody going over. It, like this was this happened the whole way through the night. So Miro won the match, but uh, the way the two had been absolutely battering each other, it could have gone either way. And Powerhouse Hobbs, despite losing, came out of it looking even stronger, which is the same thing happens later on with Ricky Starks, and the same thing happens again with Orange Cassidy. So, guys coming out looking stronger in defeat seem to be something of a theme uh, of this match, 
But I sense that you lads are more keen to talk about the ending of the match, which we had the return of hot and flexible Lana. Also known <laughs> as CJ Perry. Which CJ, I, CJ Perry, sorry. Which, right. which, I th- which I think is a wonderful... Here's the thing, right? I was going to say this. AW could have this for free, right? Power couple. CJ Perry, manager of CJ Polacco. <laughs> they could do a whole Jeff Jarrett double they, CJ. Exactly. <laughs> they could do a whole thing. It writes itself. And and Miro, because it's already been been set up in in uh, as Rusev, right? You can have CJ Polacco cheating on Miro on Miro on uh, Miro being cheated on basically, and they just do instead of Bobby Lashley. It's CJ Palaco and he goes, what? They had the same name as me. And then there you go. That's what I would do. Um, well, at the end of the match, uh, so CJ Perry came out, uh, sort of give Miro the edge to win. Uh, but Miro couldn't huh. bring himself to embrace her because he still no. doesn't think he deserves his uh, his misses because he hasn't got uh, a title yet. And I, I'm really intrigued by that to see where that leads in terms of the story with uh, Miro. Wasn't quite how it Sorry, no, but look, anyway, Dari, yeah, go ahead. Not, that wasn't quite how it ended. I think Miro did defeat Powerhouse Hobbs fairly. Yeah. And then oh, after and... the match, Hobbs came out and started beating the crap out of him. Yeah. And then Lana came out for the save. Yeah, oh, for that's the chair, with, was, the, yeah. with the chair shot. Then, yeah. then Miro just, I say, I like, just screaming, you're not real. You're not real. I think that was a really nice touch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, apologies. That was um, that was what happened. Uh, overall thoughts in the match, uh, CJ. I loved it. I think that's one thing that AEW's kind of been missing out on was the whole big meat slapping man meat. I think they AEW's kind of been missing that. Uh, meanwhile, WWE has been killing it with uh, Gunter, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre. That scene. Yeah. So I think yeah, AEW embraced the meat. Because yeah. guess what? We love it. Dara? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think that kind of sums it up. It's like wrestling is a, is a three-ring circus, you know, and you need to kind of have all the different things represented. Um, AW is still kind of bottom-heavy um, with its, you know, flippy-dippy nonsense uh, for the most part, uh, particularly on the Dynamite side. But I think moving more towards, like, you can have this mellow sport, sports entertainment kind of thing. You can have this uh, as well, and it, it sits nicely in the mid card, which is exactly where this was. Uh, bringing Lana out is it's cool because it's like, oh yeah, grand right. You have some sort of debut. It's it's something to get the fans popped, but also it gives Miro now a different dynamic that he can work on. He's not just unstoppable. It's like he's dealing with this uh, extra layer that they can that, that they can go into as well. So I mean, look. This is only good for AW. It, it, it. What I will say is, they need to be careful. They don't go into the WCW thing where it's like let's hire all XWB guys because that's also bad. But, uh, doing it for the right reasons and doing it in a creative way absolutely makes sense. And it made look, it did not make sense have Lana on TV without Rusev. It does not really make sense having Miro on TV without CJ Perry. And it makes even less sense not having CJ Palaco there. Um, up next was Chris Statlander defending her TBS title against Ruby Soho. <clears throat> um, again, this was a match that didn't have a whole pile of build. I'm kind of willing to forgive that 
because it's so early in Statlander's TBS run. Yeah. And I, I hope uh, what they're uh, I hope they're just getting a couple of wins out of the way and then they'll start building up um stories and I, stuff with her. I would uh, heavily disagree with that. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Do you remember at the start of Ruby Soho's heel turn, she mentioned a crowd in Las Vegas that booed her out of the building? Remember who that crowd was or what that match was? Her versus Chris Statlander and extra layer of why I love this match so much because I was there. I oh, was in nice. Las Vegas. I, there was a rampage and like I was baffled. Like I love Ruby Soho and like, but the cr- crowd was so behind Chris. They were furious. Ruby won. And like you could see Ruby, she was going into the heel tactics midway through the match because she realized I'm unwittingly the heel. And like Ruby went over the end because obviously they had set up it's Ruby versus Brit at uh, double or nothing hmm. but that it definitely set that up of Chris has never beaten Ruby one on one despite the fact they fought maybe uh, maybe once or twice before that and that match really set something off in Ruby that would turn her towards her heel turn so it made sense that now that Chris has gotten her title Ruby is going to target her and is going to destroy her because Ruby knows she can in her mind to just rip that tile away from Chris and it was also the perfect opportunity to show the outcasts are officially done. Thank Christ for it. <laughs> um, I actually wasn't aware of that, but I loved, loved the um, the angle with the outcasts at the end of this, where Tony Storm came out and whipped the, whipped the paint away from Soraya. Should have been a shame. Um, <laughs> this Tony Storm character is amazing. Like it's right up there with the best, uh, the best things that AW are doing at the moment. Um, yeah. so I like the match. It was a good story in that. Um, I like the development of the outcast. The actual twelve minutes of the match were good, not mind blowing. Uh, Dara, what did you think? Yeah, I mean the the women's division is usually very hit and miss in AW. Like it usually is, either something that's great or they completely miss the mark. Um, I think this time around, as 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 you said, like I'm giving this a lot of slack because it is so early on. Um, I really like both Ru- Ruby Soho and uh, Stan Lander, so I was happy to see them out. They had a decent match; it wasn't the best match I've ever seen, but uh, it, it made sense given that in All In they they had really what was a much bigger moment for the women's division. Uh, CJ, and you wanna you wanna add? Uh, yeah, I will agree that the women's division definitely does need a lot more love in AEW. I do really like Chris's run because it felt like the last few months since, particularly since Thunder Rose is gone, it's always kind of centered around Britt Baker and the outcast. Like, if there was a women match, it would always revolve around them. It feels like Chris, she's taken up and said, nope, you're not doing that anymore. She's putting random women on Dynamite. Like, she's put Emmy Sakura on Dynamite. Um, matches with uh, the bunny and stuff like that and I just think yes you have all these female talents bring them out please, please bring, bring back the bunny bring back Abaddon bring back Penelope oh, yeah. she's ready to come back we need to sing those back but yeah I like that Chris is starting to force them to revolutionize whether they like it or not hmm. Um, Dara you said that this wasn't the best match you've ever seen the next match might very well have been though Brian Danielson versus Ricky Starks in a strap match. I mean, With a broken freaking arm. Well, no. Well, no. 
Was well, it no, the best match you've ever seen? Was it the most violent match you've ever seen? Was it just the, the most blatant display of like cooperative lunacy between two people you've ever seen? <laughs> well, oh, look, what do you well, think? Well, look, we've talked about our fondness of um, strap matches. You know, yeah. they're, very, they're very hard to do, but when they're done well, they're, they're done incredibly well. There's a reason why they do them because, you know, you, you do... Look, I think this was more effective than what Moxley was doing. Uh, you know, basically most of the things that he does, I think it's more effective than glass. It's like real glass. It's more effective than Rimey a river fire. <laughs> it's more effective than barbed wire. And the reason why is because you can hit someone with a strap, and the welts was it's like you a can't fake that. You can't fake it, but it also looks quite well. Like. You know, when someone's bleeding all over the place, the effect is kind of lost after a certain point of time, you know. But with this, it's like that. Like again, with kendo sticks, when you hit them with it, it's like, damn, that that looks bad. You know, it looks like they've been through war, even if it's you know less bad than something else. Still doesn't seem like a fun time. Still a crazy <laughs> to to go. Let's hit each other with straps for seventeen minutes. You know, that's insane. But I mean, I I think for what you would expect from their biggest show of the year, um, or one the at least one of the biggest shows of the year, this is a match that delivered in every conceivable way. Not the best match of all time. I still think Daniel Bryan is a is a B plus player, but uh, you know, it was. I will not just blasphemy. <laughs> Look, Triple H said it. It wasn't wrong. It is what it is, but it was still good. I I think the ball had fun out there. Um, I think what uh, what really did it for me was like, like even if you remove the gimmick of the strap, which you say is so difficult to work with, like it can get so easily tangled up or come loose, or there's a whole dynamic to it alone, kind of mm. similar to the dog collar matches. So even without the strap, this was a great match. But my God, they utilized that thing so perfectly. So you yeah. you, you hear those cracks. Right and like yeah. every everything has a diminishing return, and they are fully aware of this. So you heard those first few cracks, and oh my god, you could feel that in your body. And you know you get the next few, and you're like, oh god, that that'd be awful. But it's it's not quite the same. But then Brian Danielson spins Ricky Starks around and starts belting him again in the chest. They're like, oh, it's so it's it's escalated again. It's back up top there. You're feeling every one of them again, and then towards the end, he starts just belting them in the face with the goddamn thing. <laughs> that like it was, was ridiculously violent. It was the like they knew the the diminishing returns, you know, of the the belt with the strap. Mm. But my god, they worked around that so perfectly, and it built up the whole way through the match, and then the. Uh, to, to finish him off in the submission with the strap and to have Ricky Starks pass out, put Brian Danielson yeah. over as the absolute killer he is, put Ricky Starks over as, like, this is a guy who, who has really stepped up. Mm. thought this match was a triumph. CJ, what were your views on it? Well, first of all, I want to say in our regards to Justin Roberts, who had PTSD flashbacks watching the ending. Uh, <laughs> That's a good uh, but call. yeah, that was, I think it was great that they did this match because obviously Ricky, he could have been really screwed over by Punk. No, he, he could have gone from having the main event with Punk to potentially could have gone to nothing, missing all in and all out. That would have sucked. 
and props to Brian Danielson for finding a way to do the match because I think he even said there was a lot of smoke and mirrors for that match for him to be able to do it but they really pulled it through they made an incredibly brutal match and I love me a brutal match like that from time to time Hmm. I love seeing like Brian Danielson in full on killer mode like when you get that look his face of I am going to kill you like, like honestly, with John Moxley, you know, he's more of a brawler type. He always has that feel, but when Brian Danielson does it, he goes from, yeah, I'm just here to screw with you. I'm just here because I can play with you to, I'm going to kill you mode. That is terrifying, and I love it. Um, So there's two matches here that I'm going to kind of combine because they were both very good matches. I really enjoyed them. I really like all the people who are involved, but for whatever reason, they just kind of felt uh, surplus to me. They kind of felt like they could have been kept for Dynamite or for um, Collision. So it was the Blackpool Combat Club tag team match with Eddie Kingston and uh, Shibata mm. and the Bullet Club Gold eight-man match with them and FTR and the Young Bucks. Yeah. Like I said, maybe I'm, maybe I'm alone in this. I thought they were both excellent matches. Like when I was sat up watching them, I was well into them um but i don't know what it was they just uh looking back and them yeah the match yeah the matchups kinda... feel like it's it, the matches up feels like uh or the fact that it's just like multi-group tag matches it does kind of scream random dynamite to me yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm amazing I'm... matches but and i do and i do think it really worked for eddie kingston setting up that flute feud with uh casting nilly repeating oh, brilliant that. yeah Oh yeah! Like I, I said, know. when I was watching them, absolutely loved them. But um, yeah, maybe it was just all in kind of burnt me out a wee bit on on multi-mans. Uh, Dara, what? Yeah. What's your take? I mean, I think I said it matches very much what I said about the the similar thing at all in. It's like I just whatever it is about these multi-man matches, I'm just not a fan of them. I I, I think there's obviously look, all the lads need to get paid. You know the the money mark needs to to give his money out to people. So I mean that's that's why they do them. You know everyone needs to get paid, and that's just what it is. They don't serve a purpose. I mean, like fair enough. The tag team match, okay. Well, Fine. well, you still, well, you still need to do it a little bit. You still need to he- heat up the Kingston classic no yeah, and that's and, yeah, yeah, and that was totally and, and that was and totally still, okay. And Bullet Club Gold, I'm really happy that they got two wins in a row I know but, but the thing about it is it's like what I would have rathered one or the other you know if you're if you're going to have yeah. an, whatever and like this is why I don't like Survivor Series because it is all just multi like ridiculous multi-man tag team matches because it's like I would have rathered have seen a straight tag team match with any of the lads if I'm Bullet Club Gold uh, FTR or the Bucks I would have rather that. I know they did it last week, but I think this was a case of every, all the lads need to get paid. That's all this was. I, nothing more, nothing less. I don't think it was all the lads need to get paid. I think it was all the lads need to be on the show because Bullet Club Gold are, you know, they're, like you said, they're, they're going hot. through this. They're really they're hot. They are very really, hot. Really hot right now. Like, like I say, um, I enjoyed the matches while they were happening. Maybe I'm a wee bit burnt out in the multi-mans. Maybe it was just that I felt that there were good developments there with Bullet Club Gold 
and with um, Kingston and Castagnoli, but they were kind of lost in the mix, given that there was so much else happening on this card. Um, I yeah, wouldn't. Hard, yeah, it was a little hard to get excited for them. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially when you knew what was coming up next was Kanosuke Takeshita versus Kenny. Yes. My God, <laughs> Omega. Uh, CJ, what do you think? Oh, I like it. I do. I'm not the biggest New Japan fan, but I do love it when they break one of those sort of matches out in AEW. And this was absolutely a New Japan match of just a Japanese strong style and just the best bout machine. I love the match. It was damn good. And I was surprised by the result. I was expecting. You know, listen, Takeshi will come out looking really strong, but Kenny, he, he's been eating a lot of pins recently. He needs to get that sort of comeback because I don't think he's that coming up sort of babyface. He's a super strong babyface to me. But no, they want to give Takeshi that push, and fair enough, Omega I, is willing to give that to him. I think there's a a, a story built there with Omega. Um, you know, maybe a kind of a hangman page style. Uh, loss of confidence type thing, um, yeah. Be because because not only did Takeshita win, like there was a wee bit of Don Callis shenanigans towards the end, but Takeshita's actual win, the sort of finishing uh, sequence and the movie putting away with it, it was it was clean and it was in the middle of the ring. It was a a hell of a win for Takeshita, um, a <laughs> sensational match. Uh, I think you called it perfectly there that it was it was a real like straight up New Japan style match but um, Dara I'm interested to get your take on it because we don't always have the same the same views on on Kenny Omega or these type of matches what do you, what do you think? So I like New Japan style matches um, I what did what does Jim Cornette call call him? Twinkle Toes? Uh, the, Kenny Olivier I think he calls Yeah I don't like him uh, I, I don't like Kenny Omega uh, the more I watch Kenny Omega, the less I like Kenny Omega. Um, and I know that's unpopular. I I can tell that you guys are like, what are you talking about? I well, don't know what it's, it is. Not even that. It's a, like people like what they like. Let me get let me get, let me get my little voodoo doll. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, look, I mean, the match itself was quite good. I I, and actually, no, it was very good. It was actually incredible. It was a really really good match. Uh, it was, it was a New Japan match done in AEW. But uh, and also having Don Callis out there, I mean Don Callis is great. Like <laughs> I think with Don Callis is always going to be good. But the fact that, his, that the brown note is his entrance music. Oh, it's fantastic! It's fantastic. Um, but with Omega, I don't know. I was glad to see him lose. Um, and I actively, I actively boo him. Um, but again, I mean he's half the reason Punk isn't there. So I'm also like going to carry that as well. So. I, as a wrestler, I don't like him, and as a as what he did to Punk, I don't like him either. So, nah, nah Punk's you know. gone because of Punk's action. Yeah. I know, I know. But also, Kenny still, and Punk sell the beef. They did, they did, but it, it it's just it's a whole. And, it's just been a bad seeing him so close. I think they should have maybe put a mask on him. I'm 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 always really intrigued by um people's perspectives on on Omega, uh, particularly when they don't like him because I get that he is polarizing like there's like like I understand I acknowledge that there are a lot of people who don't like him but I 
I cannot for the life of me fathom it because for 30 years, like I always thought, like the question of my favorite movie is settled. It is, mm. has and forever will be Ace Ventura. Yeah. My favorite band is, has and forever will be the Pogues. And I had thought that my favorite wrestler it was, is and forever will be Bret Hart. But my God, the past couple of years, I'm telling you, it's neck and neck between the two of them. Like, I, I think he's incredible. I think, I, think it, I think they've both revolutionized wrestling in their own era. Brett obviously was a technical mastermind, and Kenny just taught differently of wrestling, of how you can tell a story within the match, of what sort of moves you could pull, how you could combine all these different wrestling moves and the long-term stories you could tell with it. That's Kenny's draw. I just, I don't know. I just don't see him as a draw. Um, I don't know what it is. I just, I mean, if well, you went to the, how many it, Tokyo Domes he's packed out? I know, I know. But if you went, to, if all I'm saying is, if you went to WDB, I think he'd fail. Yeah, I because think they probably set him up to fail. No, I mean, like a star should draw everywhere, you know. And New Japan, fair enough, but I don't think he has the vibe. Like draw, doing a direct comparison between him and Finn Balor, for example, like. Finn draws, you know, Finn has a character that, you know, can work anywhere. Kenny, his character is to how good of a wrestler he is, which, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's not a good wrestler. He's absolutely incredible. The matches he does is great, but I don't know. It's just when you see Kenny Omega, I'm like, ugh. You're like, okay, if Kenny Omega was walking down the street, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You know? Oh, my God. If Kenny Omega was walking down the street... And your reaction wasn't to immediately call me and tell me. Uh, (laughs) I would kill you. No, but I mean, like, I just don't see him as a star, you know. I, I, honest to God, don't. I just see him as, like, I think it maybe. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what I think. I think it maybe comes down to like what you look for in a wrestler. So, like, when I look at my favorite wrestlers, they're all gays who were incredible wrestlers. Like, it's Bret Hart, it's Kenny Omega, it's Brian Danielson. They're all gays who are. See, I don't see Daniel Daniel Bryan as a star either. I'm just like, if he's walking the street, I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. You know, see that? Yeah, that's that's yeah. probably it. It's it's that's probably what it is. Different, probably what it is. different yeah. styles. Here's what, think, here's what I think it is: is that I think, uh, that I think you prefer wrestlers there where they can really sell a match to you, really make you care about it. Yeah, that could match be it. itself maybe isn't the most crazy technical. Could just be a standard WWE brawl, but you'd still be happy with. It. Meanwhile, me and Martin. We're all about the in-ring action. The build and that could, could be terrible, yeah, and that, but and I would love the match itself. And and I think that could be it. And like, as I said, like the hardest thing about this show really was, all joking aside, uh, the hardest thing was like the build. You know, there was no like big video package. There was no, you know, you know what I mean. Like there was, for want of a better word, the WWE packaging of it wasn't there. You know, and because you're just like. When you're watching the matches and when you're watching, look, this is a phenomenal pay-per-view. When you're watching it, you're having a great time. But when you're breaking in, you're like, oh, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, again, it's yeah, fair, it's, yeah. it's just whatever you stylistically prefer. Like, I, th- I think no one would argue that, like, the biggest or most recognizable active wrestler in the world right now is Roman Reigns. Mm. Just does absolutely nothing for me. But yeah. he clearly does. Mean. For millions of people, so it's you know it's just a stylistic think, thing. Uh, yeah, I think I think it is just the kind of case of oh, you know what it probably is, right? To to, to kind of boil this down into one one thought: WWE style sports entertainers, wrestlers, 
are stars inside and outside the ring as far as like the inside doesn't matter. Look at Bray Wyatt, right? Bray Wyatt wasn't my favorite wrestler, right? Awful in the ring. <laughs> Genuinely terrible, <laughs> right? Genuinely probably one of the, the worst wrestlers to get to that point. It didn't matter. He was still a star, right? Uh, Kenny Omega, when he gets in that ring, he's probably better than anybody there, right? <laughs> Genuinely, right? But once he walks outside the ring, he's probably going to be at a Comic-Con. You know what I mean? It's like some guy at a Comic-Con who you're like, dude, can I read the comics there? Can I just get past you there for a minute? That's, that's what Omega is for me, you know? Because I'm like, oh, he's great in the ring, but then he gets out. It's kind of like, you know, the lad that you train with who's awesome. And you're like, oh, great. But then you go out and have beers with him afterwards. You wouldn't have a beer with Bray Wyatt because he's the fiend. You know what I mean? That kind of thing, you know? And and that's the disconnect. That um, anyway, so before, uh, when we started this, Dara, you had a lot of questions about kind of the how and the why of the main event, which yes. was John Moxie versus Orange Cassidy. Many hows and whys. We, we went over that. Yes. What did you think of the actual main event itself then as a match? I was shocked that I cared about Orange Cassidy not <laughs> as a joke. Yeah. He, I, like, he's gas as as a meme, you know? And, like, I mean, your flag all in was hilarious. And just the whole, like, initial pull of... Uh, Orange Cassidy is a, is a, is a star, right? Yeah. He, he is. Like, that's what I mean. Like, Omega isn't, but he is. And I, I, I think... I don't really know why either. It's just like it transcends the ring. He doesn't have to wrestle. He's Orange Cassidy, you know. Um, but the fact that he did in this match and was basically crucified by John Moxley, it it's unbelievable. It's a star making performance. It's like I never saw Orange Cassidy as a, as like a a main eventer, but I do now, and I think that's incredible. Uh, CJ, you give a fairly impassioned defense of the the building and the booking of this match uh, at the start of the podcast. What do you think of the actual match itself, bell to bell? I thought it was brilliant. I thought uh, it is Orange Cassidy at the start. He tries to do his usual of psyching out his opponent. No hands in the pockets. Sunglasses on. That's just not going to work. But he's Still, even a total exhaustion, he still managed to break it out to try and screw with Mox. I think it even works a little better when Mox is just exhausted. They both pin through hell, and Mox just looks up. You're still trying to get in my head. Well, it worked. He still lost his his uh, got pretty damn angry at him. I am damn did it. The are just some amazing shots in this match. Like just the opening shot of just Orange Cassidy's taped up fists staring at uh, Mox. Just so you can see the damage from this long reign he's had. And he's about ready to break, but damn, he ain't going without a fight. So I think this match for me, um, it kind of illustrates a lot of a lot about how AEW does its storytelling. So people right. say, oh, AEW doesn't do storytelling. It completely does. Um, but it does it differently. It, it yeah. doesn't necessarily do it with you know, big long promos or love triangles or whatever. This is a story that they've been telling for three years now, and it's been told almost exclusively in the ring. Yeah, and You've seen Orange Cassidy go from the couldn't care less slacker to the guy who 
slacks, but he, he can actually go to getting a title, to getting a taste of that gold, and really like over 31 defences really starting to care before coming up against a brick wall, John Moxley, um, and losing. But coming out, he, so we came out on Dynamite there on Wednesday, and he said, um, you know, they told me after the after the match at the weekend. And it's so unusual to hear uh, Orange Cassidy speaking at all. They told me not to show up, and I, I told them, I'm coming to to work, and I'll be here every week from now on. So I think it's this kind of illustrates the type of storytelling AEW do, and that a lot of it is told in the ring. Mm. Yeah, the fact that, as I said again, that he had such a long tirade, he defended it against absolute giants in the company. They had to get the absolute ace of the company, the only man with like a hundred wins in the company to beat him. Absolutely. Um, look, as a match, I thought it was excellent. I mean, it's Moxley and Orange Cassidy. It's two of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, lads, if you were going to give the pay-per-view a score overall, uh, CJ, what would you say? Uh, out of 10, uh, definitely a 9. Dara, we, you can do numbers or, or grading or whatever you, so you do. In, so, in, so in honor of Daniel Bryan, I'm going to give it a solid B plus. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'd I I give it an A. I'd give it a nine. Um, I thought it was fantastic, but again, uh, a lot of that for me was down to the vibe, how it felt different, how it felt like the the kind of AEW. I was about to say the AEW that I grew up with, the AEW <laughs> that that um, sort of come out in 2019, 2020. Yeah. Um, so I would, I'd give it that A, but I would make the distinction between, you know, what's the best and what's my favourite. Uh, Dara, mm. I've I've run through All Out, so I'm now going to hand control, graciously cede power back to your good self. Thank you. And and there you go, because I mean, there's no point in me running through it and then, you know, skipping everything when I have the two biggest AEW fans I know on the podcast <laughs> so I wanted to give you guys the moment because I, I, I do kind of have a habit of like running through stuff it's like no no we're gonna go back you missed this wrist lock here and let me explain for five minutes why this wrist exactly. lock is actually very important so I figured I'd be like no I'll let you guys go for it so thank you Martin Um, alright so guys that's gonna be it for this week here on the Wrestling Rewind um, again thank you so much for everyone who listened in and follows over on the podcast if this is your first show please go over to WrestlingRewind.com the True Penny channel and subscribe let people know about the podcast give us an X-Pac Euro and of course if this uh, if you want to be on the podcast as well you're more than welcome but uh, CJ I want to thank you for being on the show man uh, again you do all the music stuff. You're not only in Horrenda, but you're also in Eyes Eternal, which are uh, is sick. I know you've been doing some PR on that as well. So uh, if you want to tell the people about it, uh, go for it, sir. Where can people find you? Okay, or Eyes Eternal. It's a one-man uh, studio project. I only tag that works for this kind of extreme prog metal. If you like uh, bands like Nebula, Scaris, Emperor, or stuff, Rivers of Nile, you'll like Eyes Eternal. Uh Yep, finds all the usual socials. Get our EP Bloodstained Wings now. I'm trying to get back into Twitch once life calms down a bit. Also in this band called Horrenda. 
Uh, maybe you've heard of it, Dara. Maybe you haven't. Maybe. And we're going to do some exciting stuff coming forward soon. That's all I will, I will say. Are you on Twitter? Yeah, I am on Twitter. Uh, at Fro- uh, Frody Jr. F-R-O-D-I-J-R. Because no one knows how to spell it. <laughs> That's a good See point. my that terrible wrestling takes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So yeah, go over, follow uh, both the bands and CJ on Twitter as well. Martin, is there anything you want to plug as the real, real world champion? No, Dara. I- I'm telling you, this podcast and without a pint has me much less inclined to say ridiculous things. <laughs> Actually, I I have some I have something uh, that to, to plug before we 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 leave, Martin. A recommendation of sorts. So. Oh. So we're known as like you know you you got me onto uh, onto Hades right oh uh, yeah so Hades is phenomenal there's a game that's uh, not like totally different but very similar in lots of ways um, graphically wise it's it's apples and oranges but it is very much kind of a, like a pick up and play kind of thing and see how far you can get it's called Vampire Survivors I think it's like two euro or something oh like that. yeah yeah I've seen it so it's I... it's, it's worth. Oh man, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. It's it's actually fantastic. And for anyone who maybe uh, picked up Hades because we recommended it, which you totally should, uh, pick up Vampire Survivors because that is equally as fun. Oh, do you know what? That's actually perfect timing because um, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I have been absolutely burning through Doom and Doom Eternal. Yeah. Just glorious glorious games um but yeah i'm coming towards the end of that now so i'll i'll give that a go next thanks a billion no worries and guys again thank you so much for checking out the show we'll be back next week i don't i think we're going back in our in your house Art. back to the back out of this modern crap back into back the, to the, the glory days of the, of the, the mid 90s oh brilliant well guys we'll be back next week to talk more wrestling nonsense from the past ivan dower connor for Carmack Jordan and Martin Hardy. Next here on the rest of the world. Bye guys. Keep our left. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 